Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly coming to you live from Robert Morris University Studios. I'm your host Steve Stefano Mancini. And I'm Claudio Relsano and we have a very special guest on today. We've been talking about him the past couple weeks and it's finally here. He is the founder and CEO of Star Boxing since 1992. Before that he won the New York Golden Gloves while attending law school at Hofstra. Before Hofstra he received his undergrad at Fordham. He uh, he started again uh, Star Boxing back in 1992. He's promoted such great fighters as Antonio Tarver, Joe Smith Jr., and many, many others. Has promoted close to 200 events. Welcome to the show, Joe DeGuardia. Joe, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, thank you. My pleasure, and uh, glad you're having me on. All right. that's you, You've done a lot. You've done a lot. You still have more to do, I'm sure. Hey, look. We got to keep going. You got to keep punching, you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> for a, sure. Life is a long marathon. Boy, <laughs> isn't it? Boy, isn't it? All right. Well, you know what? Let's start from from first base, okay, or round one. Talk about your childhood and your parents and, and growing up. Well, I, I grew up in a, an Italian-American community in the Bronx, New York. Um, you know, I had uh, my father was a fighter. My uncle was a fighter. I grew up in a real boxing family, so... You know, most of my early memories are about boxing. You know, I mean, I I was putting those gloves on. Hey, I got pictures of me as an infant, you know, literally coming out, and, and I had gloves on me, you know. So ever since I was a baby. <laughs> Who were some of the names? I know for me, growing up, my dad was born in 28, and uh, all I heard at my house was Marciano, Graziano, Canera, you know, those guys. Who I'm sure you probably uh, heard the same names. Oh, all the time, you know. Um, you know, look, I mean, my dad was always involved in boxing, even after his, um, you know, his professional career, my uncle. So I had heard all the stories of all the old-time guys. They used to, they used to go to training camps with them. I got pictures. Actually, just yesterday, we cleaned out the garage, and I found this picture of my uncle, with uh, Rocky Marciano, oh, wow. you know, and they were running, you know, uh, on um, to some sand dirt path or someplace. Sure. He is old, old. But certainly, you know, all, all of those names, uh, you know, ring a bell. We had Lamada lived a couple of blocks from us. Um, you know, I'm looking, I'm sitting in my office right now, and I'm looking at one that my father talked about all the time was Willie Pep. Willie Pep, uh, Willie the Wisp, yeah. Yeah, Willie the Wisp. So, you know, just so many of the old timers, you know, it's great growing up as a kid. You know, I, I saw all those tapes in the fights. We used to watch it on the Super 8, you know, films that we had, the old time shows and fights. And, you know, it, it was a part of my, my childhood so much like <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't even imagine it. Now, is that what led you to, well, I'll ask you this. When you were about 17 in high school, what did you want to do? Was it, was it to go into boxing as a, in the business end of it or in, in the actual ring? What did you want to do? Well, no, I never anticipated going into the business aspect of boxing. I, I um, you know, I, and my father always hated the business aspect of boxing yeah. also, <laughs> um, you know, but. I always loved boxing itself and, and fighting. And, you know, I, you know, I grew up every day. I was going to the gyms from when I was five, six years old, um, you know, competing in smoker fights and things like that. And then ultimately going into, you know, organized 
amateur tournaments and the Junior Olympics and ultimately the gloves and stuff. But no, I never really thought that I was going to go into the business of boxing when I was, um, you know, by the time you're 17, you're starting to form, you know, a lot of plans about your life. But even then, you know, I was still boxing at 17 and I was in the gloves actually at 17 uh, the first time. And I, um, you know, I had, had a lot of big, big amateur background by that time. Um, but I never really looked at the business. I was always thinking about being a lawyer. My father always said, you're going to go to law school, forget boxing. <laughs> and, you know, when um, when they used to come with all the offers, you know, back then, everybody from, you know, uh, Angelo Dundee had a group that wanted to sign me and... Um, you know, oh, so many names that my father used to say, get out of here, he's not, he's not fighting. Sure. Leave him alone. You know, he's going to school. Uh, so, so no, I didn't really think about the business of boxing. A lot of times my father would, you know, talk to me about the monies that were, you know, like at the time maybe, I don't, I don't remember who it was, maybe it was Ali, you know, uh, cracked a million mark, whatever it was. And I was always more interested in the, in the actual fights, you know, and the right. boxing itself um you know i morphed into you know the business of boxing so mm -hmm. to speak so joe this is steve so kind of an interesting thing your dad he wanted he didn't want you to not fight but he didn't necessarily say don't get involved otherwise he just kind of wanted you to you know i kind of jokingly use the, the rocky reference you know when apollo creed says hey you know be a be a thinker not a stinker right. just go in school and i'm thinking this, i can see the same kind of message to you so your dad says you know you don't want to do this because he's done it he's getting beat up he, he knows the feeling he doesn't want you to kind of do that go use your brain but uh he obviously was in a, it was in a time when it was a very i mean it was a it was a it was a it was the same sport it was boxing but it was run very differently back then. I mean, is that was it almost, almost like was he protecting you from that kind of boxing environment? Because right now, you, you do this for a living. You know, it's very different now than it was 40, 50, 60 years ago, right? I mean, was he was he keeping yeah, you out no, of that? It's a completely different kind of business now. And look, my father loved the boxing, and you know, he did not love the business of boxing, and it was a different business back then. Um, but also. You know, look, on one hand, he taught me everything in the ring. Like, I, I he was my trainer, um, you know, when I was boxing. And, you know, I, I literally, you know, every so many times I remember being in the car and in the gym and learning. I, I call it life lessons, but they always came through boxing. And, you know... Also, the the mental aspect of boxing, not just the physical and not just, you know, how to throw jabs and how to slip and how to, you know, roll into a punch and, you know, the old time stuff that really, you know, in a lot of respects aren't taught these days, um, you know, but also the, the mental aspects of the sport, you know, and how you develop the mentality of a champion and how you develop the winning mentality and not just the sparring partner mentality you know, all those kinds of things that go into developing a champ. I mean, it's funny. On one hand, he was creating me like to do that. And on the other hand, he didn't want me to do it, you know. Um, and even when I was sparring, you know, certain of the things that, you know, I see like now you realize, well, he was kicking me out of the gym a lot of times because he'd say, hey, that's it. That's enough. Take the day off. Do this. But, but on the flip side, you know, it made you hungrier. You wanted to do it more. 
right. you know, and I, you know, you don't get burnt out on it. So, you know, those things were happening in my life, but I think all in all, when, when all is said and done, I think the way he looked at it was, look, you're going to school, you know, you, you, you should be a lawyer, um, and you don't need to do the boxing. You know, get as much as you can get out of it in the amateurs, enjoy yourself, but you don't need to do it for a living. And I think that was really what, you know, was, was his thought process. And again, you know, he came from a time where boxing was a, a different business in the 50s. You know, it was a, it was a, a very difficult, brutal business. Um, and he didn't want me to be a part of that business. You know, even when I, look, I, I became a lawyer and was very successful, ultimately, and, and you know, the fact that I got into the boxing business, he thought I was crazy. <laughs> you know. Well, um, he saw the underbelly of it, right. and he didn't want you to see it, I guess, or be a part of it, or yeah. be hit by it. Yeah, it's a very difficult business. It's a tough business, and, you know, you know there's a lot of, uh, you know, negatives to the business, but there are also a lot of positives and a lot of good, and... You know, nothing good doesn't. Nothing good comes easy. Sure, that's for sure. So, how and why, or why and how, did you start star boxing? Uh, so I'll tell you, I started. And by the way, let me just jump back one second. I just yeah. want to jump to that because, you know, I remember I had gotten into a car accident and I was out of the ring for a while. And when I came back, my father really didn't want me to fight because I had a bad car accident and. You know, his position was, hey, listen, you've accomplished so much in boxing, but now you're, you're in law school. What are you going to come back for? And I wanted to win the Golden Gloves, you know. Mm -hmm. I wanted to come back and, and, and win it. I had a bad decision in 81, and, and I, I wanted to come back and win it. So I ended up doing that. I told him, I said, listen, Dad, I, I'm going to do this. I need Either you're going to train me or I'm going to have to find somebody else, <laughs> right. you know. And, and he did it, you know, and he trained me. Um, but it's just, it's, it's just... You know, it's wild how life you have, you know, different things that pull at you. And, you know, balancing. And on one hand, you know, you got the love for the sport and the love for the things that are there. And my father loved the fact that I was good at it also. And then the flip side is, you know, you know the potential pitfalls of the sport sure. um, that exist. And, you know, you, you get worried about those things. But anyway, so circle back and your question was? Yes. How and why did you start star boxing? Um... I started star boxing. Really, I was I was managing uh, and training a fighter, mm -hmm. and that was um, my first fighter actually, Lou Deval. Sure. And when I was train, I was managing him. I in fights. You know, he was a southpaw. He was decent as a fighter. You know, he had a sneaky left hand, and none of the guys would put him in fights. It was very difficult to put him into into fights. Get promoters to put him on. And really, I only started promoting to get him fights. Mm. Um, and it was the only way to get him fights. And that's what I did. I started to promote fights and started to build up, you know, him. And while that was taking place, the company that I developed it with was Star Boxing. And, you know, we started getting bigger and bigger. He became a world champion. And, you know, the path just opened you know, where I had other fighters coming to me, asking me to promote them and help them and move them, you know, and ultimately I had to make a decision, you know, which way do I go? You know, back then you could do both. You could manage and promote. So I was doing that for a little while, 
the laws changed and said you couldn't do it anymore for a 10-round fighter. Um, you could do it up, you know, lower than a 10-round fighter. But my guys started to develop and become 10-round fighters, so I had to make a choice. And ultimately, I went to the promotion. Now, real quick, can you explain for our listeners the difference between managing and promoting? Yeah. I mean, that changed over the years, and now, you know, it, it keeps changing technically. But um, the shortest way to identify it, I guess, would be management handles the actual day-to-day activities of the boxer and is literally representing the boxer um, for all those, whatever that boxer has to do, whether it's sparring sessions, whether it's living arrangements, um, you know, you're, you're taking care of what those day-to-day activities are to cultivate and develop your boxer. The promoter is putting on the shows, making the deal with the networks, making the deal with the venues, selling tickets to the place, and promoting the show itself. And also, when you have a, you know, a particular relationship with a fighter and you sign that fighter, you're, you're developing the fighter through the shows that you do. That's basically, in a nutshell, if, and if I, hopefully I had described it oh, yes, enough so you can so. understand it. Yep, yep. Steve? Joe, quick question. I want to go back at something you said. You said they were having a problem promoting the fighter. Was that, you said it was, he was a southpaw? Is that, was that still an issue? Yes. I didn't realize that was still an issue. They, wouldn't, they couldn't promote, or they, they would have trouble promoting these guys. Yeah, back then, a lot, it was a lot more of an issue than today. Uh, you see a lot more southpaws today than, than then. Um, but it's still an issue. Guys don't want to fight southpaws a lot of times. Um, many times you have managers that are old school or believe they're old school or heard the old school stuff, and they hear a guy's a southpaw. I don't want a southpaw, you know, they'll say. And you can't get him in uh, into the fight. Uh, Deval, in his instance, was the ultimate thing you don't want, which was a, a, he was a sneaky, shifty, fast southpaw, uh, and not necessarily just a come-forward straight type. You know, in the old days, most southpaws you think would become forward straight. You know, um, it, it's changed also. Now you have a lot of southpaws that are slick and, you know, boxer types uh, these days. Um, but Lou was one of the, you know, earlier slick southpaws. You know, like a Camacho type, like Hector Macho Camacho at the time sure. was oh, similar. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of guys would refuse to fight Southpaws. Interesting. Um, I want to go back a little bit, though, even further, though. But when you you wanted to be a lawyer, your father was kind of happy to push you on that. He was, But he was ultimately grooming you for success. He was grooming you for success outside of the ring. But to your point, using the lessons learned, you know, of boxing, you know, it's kind of like with any good athlete. You know, when you play a sport – you know, you got to work hard. You got to get up early. You got to eat right. You got to exercise. You know, there's a lot of discipline. You got to fight through the pain, through the exhaust. When you went off to law school and you kind of went off into your career, did the aha moment come on and you understood everything he was doing at that point? Did it all make sense then? Why he kind of, for lack of a better term, trained you to be the kind of person you know you you ultimately became, which is which is successful. You know, it. I don't know about an aha moment because I've had a lot of those, um, you know, where, you know, they all combine and, and become, you know, that, right. that, I don't know, it's almost like, 
you know, you have blips on a chart. Well, I just keep having these blips on the chart and saying, you know, my father was right. <laughs> um, you know, and I see what he was doing. Or, you know, these these are all part of the components that you need in life. Or this is the kind of dangers, you know, he was thinking about in life. Because, um, you know, there's so many things that happen in life. And I still get aha moments. You know, you, you know, I still have things taking place in the sport or in life in general where you say, you know, this is this is what he meant or this is what, uh, you know, uh, I've been been groomed for, you know, or, or, or been, you know, taught to have to withstand because boxing and life are very, very similar. Being in the ring is very similar to being outside the ring. You know, the things that people have to do on a daily basis, you know, whether you're a boxer, whether you're a fighter, whether you're you know, the guy who gets up for work every morning, there are things that you need to do to be successful in life, and there are things that you have to be aware of in life. And in that ring, yes, it might be that you have to watch the guy who's throwing the left hand because maybe the right's coming next, or you got to watch the feint because he's going to throw a punch, or, you know, or, you know, all those kinds, of, or you get hit with a shot, or you get dropped and you got to get up, you know, you're tired and you got to keep going. Those types of things happen in life, you know, and, but the boxing metaphor really is parallel to life you know we really have we really have uh, we really live our lives it's like a, a match a boxing match i think that's why boxing movies are so popular and people can relate to them because it is life you know you can i remember one time stallone said that some people would say, well, no boxer can take that kind of punishment. It's not about a boxer. He used boxing as a vehicle of expression. He couldn't just say, oh, hey, everybody, life is tough. Don't give up. See you later. He used Mr. T and Apollo Creed and those guys as opponents. Uh, I mean, you know, problems in life. And I thought that was well said the way he said that. But speaking of obstacles and things like that, talk about some of the obstacles that you had to overcome to become one of boxing's top promoters and you've been around a long time yeah look i mean perseverance is is is, is a you know is a quality um you know and again it comes to boxing you know when i when i was training my father used to talk about you know yeah you could lose a round or two it's a 10 round fight it's a 12 round fight back then it was a 15 round fight sure you know um but you, you know that's life you persevere in life and you got to go through rough times. You got a lot of obstacles you'll deal with. You know, um, you know, we all deal with them in in every kind of respect. Some, you know, maybe when when you're on a in a public forum, it's a little more heightened or people are more aware of it. But people deal with with obstacles daily in their lives. And you know, you got to be tough. You got to persevere. You got to be able to go forward even when things are tough. And you know. That's, you know, when you talk about Rocky, that's a lot why you're right. People did identify with that because you identify with, with the guy who gets up after getting hit so many times and keeps going. And you look at things and you look at movies and say, well, you know what? Um, you know, it doesn't, this doesn't look realistic. You know, when you look at the real world and we say art imitates life, it really does. Sure. And a lot of those battles that people have both where you see in the movies, in the ring, but also outside the ring. You know, people go through these things, and you, you get by and you persevere. It's like when you talk about destruction and things like this going out in the world, 
But we persevere. You fight through it, and you get by. And, you know, that's that's how I've always lived my life. You know, I know there's going to be obstacles. I know there's – look, people put up obstacles. We've had dealt with so many different things in, in, in boxing to deal and get successful. You know, so many different battles I've had to have. Um, you know, a lot of times people are – you know, might mobilize against you. You might, you know, people don't want to see success. And, you know, <laughs> these days the world has changed a lot, you know, but you'll see stuff in social media and things like that. And a lot of times it's not true. And, you know, it's you look and say, oh, how you deal with these kinds of things, you know. Um, and it's not, not just in boxing, but in the whole world, in whole many, many, many different things. But you got to go on. You got to go forward. And, you know, you got to be tough and, and you deal with it and you got to have a thick skin and get by. And, you know, that's that's been that's been uh, part of my product of success. You know, we keep going and and I don't you know, I'm not I try not to have my company be a flash in the pan type company. You know, you, sure. you know, sometimes people come out and they make big, big splashes and then they're out of business <laughs> in six months. You know, um, boxing is full of that. You know, everybody who comes in thinks they're going to change the sport. They're going to spend this. They come in with billions of dollars and they leave with less than much less than they came in with. Oh, my God. You that's know? for sure. Um, we, we know some of those. Um, but, you yes. know, when, when you were talking about that, two names, two stories, two lines come to mind. One of them was Rod Carew. And he said this during his Hall of Fame speech, you know, when people were saying things or this or that about him. And I, I use this and, and uh, put this in our audience's pocket. But. Uh, for those who know me, an explanation is not needed. For those who don't, one is not possible. And, and the other one was Larry Bird. If you remember the malice at the Palace when the Pistons and the Pacers got into that fight, that brawl, yep. and went into the stands. Mm -hmm. Well, the Pacers were one of the league favorites to, to win the championship that year, and obviously they had a bunch of players suspended. So Larry Bird had a uh, they had a press conference, and I'll never forget this press conference as long as I live. They expected him to have this long drawn out press conference and he went up cleared his throat and he said it happened we'll deal with it and we'll move forward and that was it and and I remember in I don't know it was 2008 or 9 we had some things going on and uh, with my team and and I said that I said you know what it happened we'll deal with it we'll move forward it's that simple it's not simple to do but at least we have a game plan you know we can sit and complain and moan and groan and um, no, you know, it happened. Let's deal with it. And then when we're done with it, let's move forward. And it seems like that's what you have done for sure. No, 100%. And, and, you know, it, it's, and the other aspect of that is, you know, the old line, you got to get up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror. You know, you did the right thing. You can persevere. You can go forward because you feel good about yourself. So that's 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 another aspect to that, and you know, it's 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 part of I think it's part of um, the characteristics of many people that are successful. You know, you you, you got to persevere. You got to go forward. You got to go on, and you can't let everything pull you back and distract you from what your goals are. That's for sure. You know, I I take my daughter to school every day at, at University of Pittsburgh, where she graduated now. But it would be Claudio 101, I call it, because all it is is 
is teaching, teaching, lessons, lessons, lessons. My, uh, Joe, my, my parents, obviously Italian, born in Italy. If I dropped a pencil, there was a saying behind it or a lesson behind it. And, you know, and I, <laughs> I uh, passed those on to my daughter because uh, I call them textbooks, you know, or, 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 or again, lessons, everything that happens. I got a story. Either I went through it, my parents went through it, or I read about it. And, and you can see the difference between my daughter and no, no offense to other kids, but, um, you know, that's uh, it's teaching. That's what we're supposed to do. One hundred percent. I mean, I, I one hundred percent agree with you. I, I'm the same way with my kids all the time. They tell me that you're always giving me lessons. Yeah. That's what it's all about. But, but it's nice, and it's what's nice about it is every once in a while you get a little glimpse that it hit home. Oh yeah, and and you see it, you know. No doubt. And that's a good thing. No doubt. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick commercial break here from our sponsors, but also I'm going to read a few notes here before we get back to Joe DeGuardia and get my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. You can get that at my website, ClaudioRelsano.com, Barnes & Noble and Robinson, BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com, and my publisher, JohnMelvinPublishing.com. My show, The Claudio Relsano Show, I've had such great guests as Dick Vermeil, Rocky Blyer, Ken Griffey Sr., Roman Gabriel, and some boxers, Jerry Cooney, Vinnie Paz, Don Lalonde, Mike Weaver, and you can watch the best boxing show on TV, The Boxing Authorities, with Luther Dupree Jr. and Smokey Jim Frazier. You can check us out on Channel Box and the WBC VIVE TV Network. Uh, upcoming guests for our show here, the Italian Impact Weekly, Vince Papali, the, sub the subject of the movie Invincible. And our kids are going to be on soon. Uh, looking forward to that one as well. And you can hear past guests from Italian Impact Weekly. Go to ItalianImpactWeekly.com. You can listen to Mario Andretti, Vince Ferragamo. And um, we're going to be having a new show here, Steve and I, called Talking Business and Life with Claudio and Steve. Uh, more details coming with that. Thanks to Greater Pittsburgh Travel. For any of your travel needs, let Tom and the team at Greater Pittsburgh Travel know and they'll take care of you. For more information, call 412-331-2244 or visit their website at www.greaterpittsburghtravel.com. For all of your plumbing needs, be sure to try Pellucci Plumbing. Nick and the team have decades of experience and will get you back up and running. For more information, call Pellucci Plumbing at 412-782-5050. And we want to thank the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. If you're interested in learning more, you can find their contact information on Facebook at Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. Again, thanks, Domenica and the team at the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh for your support. And we want to thank La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school in Pittsburgh endorsed by the Italian consulate. If you're interested in learning Italian or have your children being immersed in the Italian culture and language, be sure to give them a call at 412-404-7070. That's La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei. All right, welcome back to our show. Joe, I'm going to ask you a little bit of a fun question now. Um, so you said you grew up in an Italian-American uh, community in the Bronx. And uh, what part of Italy is your family from? Uh, we're from Bari. Rutigliano, right outside of Bari in the Puglia region. Oh, okay. I was expecting the, the standard. Calabria or something like that. <laughs> or Sicily or something. Cut them off. Now, uh, <laughs> no. how, you, you ever get back there often? Um, last time I was back there was 2017. Okay, you have some uh, stuff family there. I love it there. I oh, love it. Yeah. It is nice. Yeah, it's just spectacular. It's great, and you know I'm a I'm, I'm a big espresso drinker, so <laughs> I love having the espresso. It's it's great. Yeah. Now, now, do you have you still have family there? 
Uh, we have family, but you know, I, I um, you know, they're so distant now. It's not, right. you know, where you can say, okay, well, this is so and so that I remember because I don't, you know, I don't remember anymore. My my dad died in 2016, so we don't have that 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 family connection back there where we can say, okay, we're going to the house. You know, we don't have that. Right. Now let me ask you this though, because uh, you know, obviously your father played a, a very important in a, in a and a pivotal role in your life. And, you know, every study out there will show that, especially with youths, and, you know, we're, we're not going to get political, but the truth of the matter is there's a lot of youths that don't have a, a, a strong father in their, you know, father figure. It, it doesn't mean they're not going to be successful, but you do see an, an underlying element to a lot of youths that, you know, either in trouble or they're just not successful. They didn't have that strong father figure. You obviously had a very strong father figure. Let me ask you, besides teaching you those kind of life lessons, you know, that we talk about, what are some other traditions or like, you know, just kind of like like family traditions, family philosophies did he teach you? You know, it's hard just to come from a blank slate and just talk. You know, it's amazing when you start talking about them, then like it's easy for you right. bring up this or you bring up that. Oh, yeah. Um, it's hard for me just to, off the cusp. Like, I, I think right now of certain traditions that we have that I know, um, you know, have come from him. Like, you know, the Sunday gravy, you know, <laughs> where we got together as a family, you know, and the family has to be together and we all stay together and we all eat together. And, you know, and, you know, he made sure that everybody came over, you know, all his different kids, even, you know, later on in life, you know, he had all his different kids at the house and, you know, supposed to be there on a Sunday, come visit, you know, those kinds of things. But that familyness, that togetherness, um, you know, those kinds of things are, are things that certainly I, I recall or remember. Um, yeah, it, it just, you know, it's literally, I don't know, countless items that, that just, um, you know, get conveyed, whether that be traditional type things, whether that be words, whether that be, you know, day-to-day um, -day occurrences. Um, but, you know, right off the top of my head, just thinking off of one, you know, it's that Sunday gravy, oh, that's you know, cool. that we all have. And my mother was a, a crucial part of that, too, you know, because uh, she'd be cooking it. <laughs> <Not my dad. laughs> now, now, do you ever find those moments in life where you're dealing with your kids and you almost hear your father coming out through you? Yeah, yeah, pretty often. <laughs> well, it was, yeah. well, it was funny because when you said that, uh, you know, I kind of, I can just imagine some of the, you know, the things he was teaching you in the ring, and then I, and, and you obviously you don't have your kids in the ring, but you're, you know, how how do you, you know, I'm thinking how would you convey those similar messages without, uh, you know, you know, a couple of left hooks and a and a right, you know. Well, well, you know. Firstly, both of my kids wanted the box, <laughs> and I tried to keep them out of it, you know. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until I had the kids that I thought, you know, hey, you know what, I'd rather they don't go in the ring. That um, sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> in hindsight now, um, they both were very successful. They are successful. They're doing well, and, you know, they both went to college. One's finishing up college now. Um one of them played baseball and football in college. They both were, you know, in all kinds of sports. But in hindsight, I probably could have made both of them champs in the world. You know, they were good <laughs> athletes. And, and at least it's a sport I know. You know, here I am. My, my son, you know, was a, a quarterback and played quarterback, high school, college, stuff like that. But meanwhile, he's got, what, 
five guys coming after him that are 290 pounds and can run faster than him, and, you know, he's a 200-pound quarterback, you know. So I, I probably could have protected him better in the boxing ring. Um, but the things that you do convey to them that I did get taught to me are, are the same things. You know, they played baseball. They played football. I coached a lot of the baseball teams around here, you know, for them all, only up until, you know, 12 years old, and they went to, you know, you have to go to the – Guys that really know the sport of baseball, um, but you know, or basketball. And what I tell my kids, as well as what I tell the kids that you know I might be helping out uh, in the you know coaching and stuff like that, is the same kinds of things like boxing. You know, you got to persevere. Nobody's going to hand you anything. You're not entitled to anything. That's not how life works. You got to work. You got to put the time in. You got to put the effort in. And you know, you put the time and effort in, then you're going to get something out of it. And and that's that's a lot of the stuff I got from my father. You know, you're not going to be handed anything. You you got to go get it. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, look, my father had uh, the gym that I now have um, originally. You know, he's had the boxing gym for many years. He had it in the community to help people out and stuff. And I was boxing in that gym, but it didn't matter that it was his gym. Uh, when that ring and that bell goes, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. And if you're not in shape and if you're not <laughs> conditioned and you didn't get up in the morning, that's your problem. <laughs> and, you know, it's and you're going to find the results from the work you put in. I remember when I was a kid, I used to, you know, have to run in the morning, you know, like I was maybe 11 years old, 10 years old, uh, maybe a little bit older. And when I, I'd go up and I'd run in the morning and my father didn't come running with me. And I used to see some of the trainers used to take their car or a bicycle and go with the guy when he was going to go run, you know, and follow him. And I told my father, I said, yeah, one time, I told him, Dad, you know, all these guys, they're, they're trainers, they go, they get up in the morning at 6 a.m. and go running, you know, with, with, the, with, the, uh, with their fighter. You know, they follow him in the car or something. I said, how come you don't do that? And I'll never forget what my father told me. He said, they do that to make sure the guy runs. Okay? I don't got to make sure you run. If you don't run, it's up to you. You're the one who's going to have the impact when you're in that gym or in that fight and you're not in the right shape. So if you tell me you run, I expect you running. If you don't, it's only going to hurt you. Yeah. And that was an important life lesson for me because – you know, I, I understood it then. Like, I understood it. I got it. I got it. And, and you know, I knew it. He was telling me, listen, you could bullshit anybody you want in life, but if you didn't put the work in, it's going to come back on you. That's right. And that's the truth. And it's the truth in life. But it's also something I've conveyed to say to my kids, you know, because it applies to baseball. It applies to football. It applies to basketball. It applies to school. It applies to everything. You've got to put the efforts in. That's right. That's right. That's life. You've got to put it in. And you're not entitled to anything. And, and I don't believe in that entitlement. I, you know, I, I believe you've got to work for things. And you work and, you, you, you know, you break your ass. And hopefully you get it. Life's not fair. Sometimes you don't get it. But that's that's life. I tell my daughter, take the words should, shouldn't, fair, and deserve out of your dictionary. That's it. You know, because uh, that's just the way it is. You have to go after it. Now, some people, I'm not going to lie to you, some people I know are extremely lucky. They're pretty much useless, but they, you know, but but I I don't know what kind of, maybe they do have good lives. I don't know. But I know that I personally could not have just said, I'll wait for something to happen. I was like, I'm sure you remember the old show, uh, Sanford's son. He used to tell his son. Uh, 
Lamont, uh, opportunity doesn't always knock, so sometimes you have to call him up and invite him over. You know, you have to be aggressive. Right. You have to be. You have to go after. One hundred percent. You have to go after. One hundred percent. But uh, so, talk about some of the highlights of your career. If I say to you, Joe, what what stands out? What are the top two, three things that stand out to you? Moments. Uh, you know, I've had so many. Besides of being on this show, they, but go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Talking to you guys, That's number right. one. No, listen. Right now, it's the moment. You know, it's, it, it, you know, I, I enjoy the moments I'm in. Now, certainly you think back and, you know, look, I, I loved, you know, when Joe Smith knocked out from Farah, you know, it was so unexpected, you know, it, it, it was a real rewarding moment, sure. you know, um, I love when I won the golden gloves. It was nice. You know, I, my, my, my dad was there and, you know, it was such a, you know, my, my family, my father got to the semifinals of the glove, my uncle. Uh, semifinals, but they never won the gloves. You know, they fought pro all their lives, and you know, with ten-round fighters and things like that. But they never won the gloves, so it was like a great thing to win the you know New York Golden Gloves at the time. New York Golden Gloves were really big, still things like that. Um, I don't know, you know, when when Algeri beat Provodnikov, a fight that I worked so hard to maneuver him to and get uh, him to, and you know. And everybody said I was crazy. I was throwing him to the slaughter, and you know what are you doing? And and nobody believed that Jerry could make it in the first yeah, place, yeah. considering he never had an amateur background. He never boxed in the amateurs, you know. So it was rewarding, you know. Uh, the Tava trilogies, you know, with uh, Roy Jones, you oh, know, yeah. were rewarding, you know. Um, pulling Tava back after he had his jaw broken with Eric Harding, you know, and everybody thought he was through, you know. Um, you know, those, those things, there, there's so many different things that have happened in life that, you know, in the boxing, when you say what, you know, is the most memorable, there's just so many. You know, even sometimes I do a show, it's amazing because, you know, you think back and say, oh, I, I can remember when Lou DeVal won the title. Like, it was so rewarding. It was my first world championship, things like that. But, you know, those things come into your mind literally because something reminds you of it. But a couple of weeks ago, I had a show at the Paramount. It's a club show, you know, it's a small show. Not a, not a, I wasn't on the bright lights of Madison Square Garden. I wasn't on HBO. You know, it wasn't my biggest show. It's mm -hmm. a small show. Um, but you know what? We sold out. We had, we had thrilling fights. Um, and the fans were so into it. And, you know, it's rewarding. It's, so at that moment, that was the thing. You know, that's, that's what I'm thinking and I'm enjoying. Um, I don't know. So it's hard, you know, to really pinpoint, you know, specific, because there's so many of those specific moments when, when I think of, you know, things. Uh, you know, you just uh, – I when Algeria was fighting, uh, we had a press conference scheduled. It was – the day after my father died. Mm. And, you know, and that's not, obviously not a highlight, but uh, it's one of the things that stands in my mind sometimes because the next day was a press conference I had to be at in the city for his fight with Spence. You know, and, sure. you know, do I go? And, you know, so it's something I remember because, I, yes, I went. And I did it, and you know I remember my father. 
you know, in the back of my head saying, hey, you know, you got an obligation to that fighter. Go down there and do what you got to do, mm-hmm. you know. And so when you say about what sticks out, you know, there's so many glorious times that stick out. There's so many tough times that stick out. Um, it's just hard to, you know, grab one and say this, this is the one. You know, this is the one that really sticks out for me. Uh, there's just so many of them. Now, that was something I was going to ask later, but I'll ask it now since you mentioned your dad in that, that moment. What did he say to you whenever you got your first world title or that Star Boxing was one of the top boxing promotions? Did he? Because I know for me, I, I lived to make my parents proud of me. That's, that's what I, I, there, there's an old Italian saying, if you ever see a turtle on top of a fence post, you know he didn't get there alone. If it wasn't for my parents, forget it. None of these things would have happened for me. But what did he say to you and your mom as well in quiet moments uh, once you hit it? You know, um, I knew my dad was real proud, um, and I knew he loved it, and I could I could see it. And you know, once in a while I'd get that little card from him or something like that. Um, but we really didn't, you know, talk about, you know, well he just won the title. I'm proud of you. You know, like I think it was more, you know. I'd be talking to him about the next, <laughs> the next thing I want to do with him. Sure. You know, where we want to go next, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and it was, uh, you know, my, my, my father had a good, strong, quiet way about him. Um, and I, I knew what he felt, not necessarily discussing it, so to speak, you know, uh, in the terms of, okay, well, you know, you your guy became champ. I'm proud of you, you know, stuff like that. I don't, I don't, I don't remember actually having those kinds of conversations. Um, although I do have a lot of cards that give me that, you know, you did a lot, you, you have a lot to be proud of, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. That's nice. Joe, let me ask you, it's a good transition here. Um, you're obviously not going to slow down anytime soon. What else you got going on? Any other projects? Um, well, in, in the boxing world, eh, just in life, anything. Well, look in life. I you know, in life, obviously, my 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 number one project is always my kids. You know, um, that, that's always to me family the number one project. And I I I uh, I I pulled I pulled one the other day. You just mentioned about the proud of you. I just told my kids the other day they're my best ROI in life. <laughs> <laughs> right, for sure. So, um, but it was over a steak dinner. I said, but this dinner is costing me a little too much. <laughs> so the real ROI, if they would have been treating you for the steak dinner, then you really right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what I told them. I said, so when the time comes, you pick it up, then I really hit pay them. <laughs> nah, nah. Um, no, joking. But um, I, I don't know. Uh, let me let me say this. I think that. Um, Boxing, I'm going to continue to do what I have to do, and my my you know those are my um, you know my next projects are pretty much in boxing you know, that are in boxing. You know we're working on constantly. It's a tough sport, uh, tough business, and but we keep going forward. And uh, you know we have a lot of successes outside of the ring. You know I guess I should be trying to you know uh, move into. Uh, you know, the retirement years, but I don't think nah, that's going to happen. Nah. We had, we had Andretti too, on. Too he peaceful said, for me. He said, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to retire um, when I'm 
when I'm finished, they'll put me in a box and that's it. I'm not, I'm not going to stop. Exactly. Exactly. That's not, that's exactly. not how you are. No, you're not wired that way. Nah. You know, you got to keep, you're looking to keep going. And, and obviously you want to, you know, you, you, you want to climb that next mountain. That's really what it comes down to. You know, two, two Although things. I do take breaks every now and then. I, well, you have I ride to. a motorcycle. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, you have to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about the motorcycle part, but a couple of things. Uh, Another did... thing, that's one thing my father did hate. Oh, I believe that. But yeah. Dan Marino always says you can do more. You can always do more. And I remember Greg Norman one time, they asked him about his career. And, and he said, well, I think I've only accomplished about – 25 to 30 percent of what i can accomplish and i said wow that's that's pretty good so if he if that's what he's saying then me personally i, I probably only did about 10 15 I, I think i can do a lot more <laughs> you know and and that's just uh, the way the way i am but um now there there is something we that i threw joe's way that we're trying to trying to make work and and hopefully uh that young man could be a uh, champion someday and joe could have a part of that but hopefully we'll be able to announce that soon I, I hope i'm definitely pushing pushing for joe right joe you're still there right yeah no i'm still here yeah yeah i, I, I think i lost a little of that well malik malik <laughs> donnie's guy oh yes we're trying we're trying well, we're going to see. Hopefully, hopefully that goes through. I'm definitely pushing for you, we'll and uh, hopefully no. that happens because I think you can definitely put him in the right lane and, and take him to the top for sure. And uh, hopefully, oh, hopefully I, that happens. Know, and it's my division too. That, oh, I know. Light heavyweight division. We've been so successful with, and I think I could do a lot with him. We'll see how it turns out. Yeah. Well. Well. Hopefully you it know? will. Hopefully it will happen. And I, by the way, I'm going to send you my book too, if that's okay with you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully. Oh, that'd like be it. great. Hopefully, you, hopefully you'll sign it. I will for sure. I will for sure. You know what? Let's. Uh, See, I'm you've sorry. You've got a lot. You've got a lot more of that success than me. You got a book. Nah. What, are you going to write one someday? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, everybody tells me I should, but I, I definitely want to read yours. Okay. All right, I, well, I heard it what, on the uh, uh, today when you were talking about no, it. Listen, once you read Cloudy, you say, oh, this is easy. Anybody can do Anybody this. Anybody can do it. <laughs> Anybody can do it. But you know what? It, it's a leadership book. But if I wrote a a biography, it's it's got some touches, a lot of touches of biography too. But I, I didn't. There's a lot of people that uh, what some negative people in my life. I didn't mention their names or titles. But you know what though, Joe? I I, I look back like Vinnie Paz. He said if if he didn't get into that accident, no movie. If these people would have all been wonderful towards me and supportive, and uh, I, I, my parents were unbelievably supportive of my goals and dreams, Joe, unbelievably supportive. I, I can't say one bad thing about my parents ever, but some other people in my family, you know, wanted to see me fail. They constantly busted my chops about my goals and dreams in baseball. But you know what? If they would have been supportive and everybody that I worked for was great, no book. And who knows Correct. what would have happened. So I used my worst enemy to be my uh, best ally. 100%. And also those things that those people that try to hold you back make you stronger. No doubt. You learn things in the, in the process, you know. You never know. It's like, it's, it's like that left hook that you got hit with. It's a good thing because maybe you learned. Yeah. <laughs> maybe the next one you would have got hit with would have been much That's worse. Right. Exactly. <laughs> You know, you know, we've kind of touched on it, but finish up. Tell our audience advice, your advice 
on how they can accomplish their goals and dreams? Well, look, I mean, I think a lot of accomplishment comes down to hard work, dedication, determination. Those kinds of things are important, um, you know, and you got to know in your own heart, you got to keep going with your own heart and your own head and and move forward. You know, you, you, you can't put down what's in you. So somebody can knock you on the outside and you can get defeated on the outside with something, but nobody can destroy what's inside you. And that's what that's I think you need to keep that in mind and go forward. And that, and you could do that through hard work, determination, dedication, and those kinds of things, and never let them put you down. You know, look, everybody's going to be looking to knock you. Everybody's <laughs> going to take that swing, you know, and you're going to get hit with some of those shots. Oh, yeah. But but you got to go on. you got to persevere. And and ultimately, you're, you're, you're your own judgment of your successes. Like, and, and the fact that you don't see it uh, doesn't mean that you don't have it, you know, because... All of us, you know, look, you want more. You know, you talked about uh, he only hit, what, 20%, you said, or 25% of his goals. Right, Greg Newman, um, yeah. Greg Newman. And, you know, we all are like, especially when you're successful, you know, you think there's so much more you need to accomplish and want to accomplish. You don't even, a lot of times you, you don't look back at your successes, you know, and sometimes maybe you should because it, it gives you, Gives you that good viewpoint. Sometimes when you're climbing that mountain and you see you got, you know, another couple of a mile to go up that mountain. Sometimes it's good to look back and say, "Hey, look at that! I just got five miles right. behind me." <laughs> exactly. Um, but but I I have a tough time looking back. I look, I keep looking forward to what I want to get to. <laughs> no, no, I mean, some people say, "Oh, Claudio, you've done this, that, and everything." Eh, you know, I always feel I can do more. I. I not that impressed with myself, unless unless you dog me and say I haven't done anything, then I'll blast you and tell you how, how well I've done. <laughs> but anyway, Joe, I cannot tell you how excited I was to do this. You and I have been emailing back and forth for a while, and uh, you're even a better pers- person than I thought you were. Not that I, I thought you were a good guy, but you're even better in, in you know talking to you. And uh, thank you so much. And hopefully we'll meet soon. Hopefully we will be doing something with Malik and Donnie Lalonde, that that would really uh, be exciting. And um, I, I just appreciate you. Thank you so much. No, thank you for the kind words. I do appreciate being on. I certainly do look forward to meeting you as well. All right, brother. Thank you, and good luck at everything, and we'll be in touch. Thanks, Joe. Safe. Thanks, guys. All Bye-bye. Right. All right, man. That was, a, that was a great interview. Appreciate Joe. Again, thank you, Joe, for taking the time out to uh, – you know, to talk with us. Words of wisdom, Claudio. Words of wisdom. And, you know, that guy's been through a lot. You can tell he's taken his knocks. And uh, just, you know, it's just something that people need to, like, hear those kinds of messages. But don't just hear it. you got to, like, really hear it. And Listen that's to it. Right. And I know a lot of people yeah. don't really, they don't, it doesn't sink in. They go, yeah, 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 yeah. And it just doesn't sink in. But, I, I'm going to say this about a boxing promoter. They get hit just as much as the boxers do oh, because there's so many responsibilities, so much overhead that you have to keep an eye on, not just financially, but ju- just so much. And uh, when the show's over and you your guy won or your guys won and you count them, then it's, whew, it's, it's not like you're happy. You're just relieved. It's a tough business. But then and you're on to your next episode. On to the, the next one. Well, I mean, that's any kind of management promoter. You're, you're not stopping just because right. your guy's done. He gets to go sit in the ice bath the next you day. Don't. You're getting ready for the next one and promoting right. because they're planning that stuff out. And um, Which know. leads into our next thing. We're going to be doing oh, another yes, show. Yes. 
and and uh, talking business and life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. And um, I'm really excited about that because we're going to share uh, our life stories in business and in life. We're going to be, I mean, you know, very open about things. I I told you a couple minutes ago about some. It doesn't matter what titles they have or their names. That doesn't. That's neither here nor there. But I'll be very open with you, very blunt with you, things that have happened, um, and we'll share that. And hopefully, um, we're not telling anybody what to do. But um, you know, what we did, well, how we got from point A to point B. Um, I don't know if you want to call it advice, call it whatever you want, but we're just telling you how we did it and a, a roadmap. Right. GPS. And, every, you know, and everybody's GPS. and everybody's path is going to be different. Sure. But there are going to be some there are going to be some things you always need to do. Like I like when he said that perseverance. Mm-hmm. You have to. getting up in the morning and grinding it. I don't care like he said, if you're a boxer or if it's a different sport or whether you're going to your job. Believe me, I was in the military for twenty years. And I did not want to get up some days and go to work. You're like, I got to do what I got to do. It's not an option. It's like, oh, they want to sleep in today. But the problem now is too many people are just, they, they don't want to put the time in. And what, I think what's worse is, you know, there's too many people that are still willing to reward you for not putting the time in. But the problem with that is you never really reach your true potential. And I know that seems like a cliche, but and if you never reach or get where you're supposed to be in life, and you can't figure out why you're not happy. And it has nothing to do with what's in your bank account. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of rich people that are not happy. You know, they may have inherited the money and they're just miserable because they don't know any, they, you know. But then there's other people that don't have a lot of money and they've always got a smile on their face. And I think if there's one thing we're going to talk about, and that's the life piece, is look, mm-hmm. you don't need a million dollars in your bank account. I do like, I think it was you that said, that, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but, but neither does poverty. Neither does poverty. <laughs> I thought that was Yeah, fantastic. no, that's true. But you know what? I like what you said and it's true. But why can't... Why does it have to be, and, and we'll, we'll be talking about this, why can't I have it all? Why can't I have money in the bank, good family life, spend time with my family? Why do I have to, like with me, and, and again, we're going to repeat this like a chorus in a song. I have a good family life. I'm also in pro baseball. I mean, college baseball. I do shows. And I spend a lot. Why is it that uh, I have to do the shows in baseball, college, and pro, but not – engage with my family why can't i do both all three four that's right and and to your point we still have time to sit around and watch tv and so you know obviously the human body the human mind is capable of doing more that's why let's go back to my military that's a special forces guys Mm -hmm. you think oh nobody can do that you they'll every one of them will tell you it is mental it's not physical it is mental 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 but again these are some of the topics we're going to talk about we're going to take a deep dive we're going to bring in some guests that have persevered through right. these things, and we're going to give you our stories. Because, you know, when, when you learn a little bit about me, a little bit about Claudio, neither one of us grew up, at least I don't think you did, but I know I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I went off to the military. A wooden spoon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> On my head. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to talk about that and how, you know, like, like I said before, you know, you don't take advice from someone who's not in a place you don't want to be. Exactly. And so if Claudio's got a bunch of shows yeah. and he's got some really good guests on it, and you think, well, what does this guy know about entertainment? Well, I'll tell you what he knows. He's got a bunch of shows, and he's got a bunch of good guests on him. So obviously that's somebody I'm going to listen to because I don't know how you get some of those guests. You can't possibly know them all personally, so something you're doing right. And these are those lessons that people can take away. Well, how is he doing that? I know them personally. Well, so, but, you <laughs> didn't, but you didn't come out of the womb knowing them personally. No, no. So that's my that, point. That's one of the things right. we're going to talk about. I, I hate the word network. 
can't stand that word right. now. But putting yourself in position. Right. But real quick, I did two boxing shows today with Jim and Luther. Came and did this. Now I'm going to go home and cook Italian pork chops and, and, and rice for my wife and daughter. So that's uh, a whole day. All right. Well, listen, folks, I want to thank you all for tuning in this week. Next week, we've got the kids on. Salvatore Alpi's listening, Leandra and Ida. That's so right. we're going to bring them on. We're going to talk to some young kids. We're going to get their kind of impression on, you know, different Italian impact culture. You know, get their, you know, get their feelings on, you know, how Life. do they, right, how, how do they think about it? Right. What do they think of Joe Hale? Thank you, <laughs> Joe engineer. Hale, Thank you, wonderful Joe. producer. All right, thanks, folks. Again, tune in next week, same time, same channel. Claudio, last word. Thank you, Linda and Ida, and always thank you, Mom and Pop. Talk to you guys soon.